Welcome into another episode of The Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast in Music City. We are presented by Alaco Hardwood Flooring. No matter what style you're going for, you can trust your flooring job to Alaco Hardwood Flooring. Take a walk through the woods in your home every day and get your job started today by logging on to alacohardwoodflooring.com or you can email the founder, Jimmy Alaco. That's jimmyalaco at comcast.net. They are located right here in Nashville, Tennessee, so it's nice and easy for the locals. You can call 615-356-0303. That's 615-356-0303. Alaco Hardwood Flooring. Perfect floors, whatever your style. Before we kick things off on today's episode of The Door Report, we will begin with Jackson Tolk's fourth edition of Tolk's Trivia. It's now time for another edition of Tolk's Trivia with our guy Jackson Tolk. And Jackson, obviously we have not performed well recently. Uh, I don't think we've gotten one right, but uh, I'm confident tonight. I I feel confident and uh, and hopefully hopefully Will does too. Uh, let, let's get this rolling here with with uh, the third edition of, of Tolk's Trivia. Is that it? We uh, I believe it may be the could, fourth. Could be the fourth. Yeah. Okay. Let's let's roll in here, Jackson. All right. Let's do it. All right. Tonight's trivia question is: In 2008, this Commodore defensive back was second on the team in interceptions for the season, totaling five overall. This included two game-clinching interceptions versus Auburn and also a Music mm. City Bowl win versus Boston College. Who is this Commodore? Myron Lewis. Yep. That, Myron that's, Lewis that, he said it before I got a chance to say it. <laughs> it's got to be right. Yep, Myron Lewis is the answer, and tonight was the night. You had a good feeling there, Billy. <laughs> hey, I, I knew you we were confident. We're getting out of the 1970s, man. Yeah, yeah the, the the Boston College, the Boston College gave it away because I was at that game and the freezing yep. ice cold sitting in the <laughs> me too in the nosebleeds of uh, that time I guess it was the LP Field. Yeah, that goes down. That that goes down in history for me because I I mean you, what how old were you Will? You were probably early early I high was, school or I was I was eleven. I'm not as old as you think. I am. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I remember I, I went with my dad and um you know I was probably yeah, 7 8 years old. It was New Year's Eve and 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 definitely that was that's one of the one of the one of my prime Vanderbilt memories. Um Jackson, were you at that game? Unfortunately, I wasn't. I was uh I was just reflecting on my experience as well. I was 12 and I was um I I live out in Utah and so I was actually at, just at my house watching it on TV. Unfortunately, I couldn't make it out to that game. Um but I remember it, watching that, and yeah, history. That was it was crazy. It didn't look freezing, so yeah, oh, it was. Yeah, that was the that was the season under Bobby Johnson that they actually started out. What was it, five and zero, oh, and yep. got up yep. high, as high ranked as thirteenth or fourteenth yeah. in the country, I believe. The, the geek, yeah, the geeks will inherit the earth. That's what uh, uh, Chris yeah. Fowler said after. <laughs> I'll never forget that. So. Um, so yeah, definitely, you know, a, a prime Vanderbilt memory for all of us. Uh, Willie and I were there. Jackson, uh, you haven't missed out on many, many memories. That was an awesome game. Myron Lewis, there he is. That's the, the answer to this trivia question. Jackson, as always, it's a pleasure. Uh, enjoy your week, and we'll catch back up here in a couple weeks. Maybe get a little bit of a harder uh, trivia question in here next time. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Anchor down, boys. Yes, sir.
It's breaking news time here on The Door Report, presented as always by the Recycling Dudes. Will, take it away. You may ask, who are the Recycling Dudes? Well, they're brothers, Graydon and Chapman, and their dad, Drew Smith, who is a Metro Nashville firefighter. Living in West Mead, Recycling Dudes recognized a need for a service that would take glass to the recycling for busy homeowners who care about our environment. They pick up your glass, separate it, and take it to be recycled. They offer monthly service as well as one-time party pickup. They have a variety of service levels to fit every need and every budget, starting as low as $10 per month. All you have to do is sign up on their website at RecyclingDudes.com. Welcome into episode 35 of The Door Report. It is a beautiful Tuesday night here in Naples, Florida, where I'm broadcasting from. It is September 15th. I am joined by Will Byram, reporting live from his home in Nashville, Tennessee. Will, we're back and better than ever with another episode. Uh, with week one only 10 days away, we're going to talk with George Plaster, Will, and and, and he, he's an entertaining guy. He had a lot of uh, a lot of maybe controversial statements that, uh, that, that uh, we'll show a little bit later. Yeah, he definitely does not mince any words. Um, he's very <laughs> no. blunt about the Vanderbilt administration and, and possible steps that they need to take. So that, that was a very interesting conversation that we had with him, and, and he definitely provided some entertaining opinions, to say the least. Yeah, polarizing opinions. He hosts polarizing. the George Plaster Show weekdays from 2 to 4 p.m. on 560 WNSR. We will also discuss with George Candace Lee's recent hires of Tommy McClellan and Kristen Kelly uh, from Dartmouth. McClelland uh, came over from Louisiana Tech. They're probably settling into their offices there at McGugan. And we will also continue to look ahead to the 2020 Vanderbilt football season. Will, before we get to breaking news, don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Our podcast is available on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. All right, Will, let's get it rolling here with uh, some, some bad news. Uh, obviously, the, the opt-outs have hit Vanderbilt hard, but another, um, another transfer for the Commodores in Trey Douglas just happened here today. Tay Daly and Trey Douglas are both now headed to the transfer portal. This story coming from Robbie Weinstein of 24-7 Sports. Not good, Will. For the second straight day, Vanderbilt has lost a member of its sec. Secondary as safety, Trey Douglas announced that he will enter the NCAA transfer portal. He follows safety Tay Daly to the portal, and uh, he was set to enter his redshirt sophomore season this fall. But uh, from the perception, he, he appeared to be buried on the depth chart at safety after switching over from corner uh, this past spring. And 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 Tay Daly will he he started seven he started seventeen career games. He was a guy that that was a key contributor on defense last season. And even the year before, so uh, he he had three interceptions at Vanderbilt. So, will there has to be just a, a lot of of secondary players that Coach Mason is dealing with, and it's and a couple guys here recently have said, "Look, I'm out." Yeah, you know, honestly, this may be the position that the impact of losing a couple guys is going to be felt the least and, and seeing the least impact on the field. Yeah. Anytime you see some guys transferring, especially guys like Trey Douglas that came in, at, you know, a highly rated recruit, um, and Tay Daly, who definitely saw some action on the field and performed pretty well when he was out there. And you see those guys in, entering the transfer portal along with the COVID uh, opt-outs that they've had. Your first rea- knee-jerk reaction is, you know, what what bad things are going on. But 
you really start looking into that depth chart and listening to kind of what Mason has been saying about guys, uh, specifically Frank Coppett, um, and then guys like Deshaun Jerkins, Brendan Harris, Maxwell Worship, and then uh, an extremely highly rated recruit in Donovan Kaufman. These guys just, I think they saw the writing on the walls Mm -hmm. um, and decided to, you know, to, to, to make that stuff or take that stuff sooner rather than later. And I, and I can't blame him. I mean, you mentioned Trey Douglas. He was one of the prized recruits in that 2018 class with Alston Orgy, Cam Johnson, and, and Brendan Harris. And Harris, I, I guess, is the guy that, that kind of took that extra step and, 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 and uh, you know, started playing a lot better and, and playing more. You know, basically, it's what it comes down to. Brendan Harris had a lot more playing time last season than Trey Douglas did. And you said a lot of those names. That's a lot of guys that have played a lot of minutes for Vanderbilt uh, in the secondary. So, And you, don't forget about Dericky Wright, the freshman. He could factor in as well. So when you look at the secondary, it's a lot of depth there. Uh, you know, not a ton of height and not a ton of star power. But with a Derek Mason defense, it's it's almost like uh, the Titans phrase with, from from Taylor Lewan and and Coach Vrabel. They're playing like a bunch of hyenas. I mean, they're they're out there and and they're not real big. Not you know they're not they don't have a ton of star power. No no Hall of Famers, but they're a guy. They're guys that are feisty and 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 they're grimy and they, they'll get it done. So yeah, you, there's there's definitely not a Joan Williams in, no. any, anywhere in the secondary here, but but there is a lot of quality depth despite not having that one or, or two guys like they've had in the past, like Joan or, or Casey Hayward. Yeah, um, but but there is a quite a bit of depth back there, and and it'll be exciting to watch come come this fall. Yeah, and like you said, this is the position of impact that uh, will will make the least of impact with with, with these two uh, transfers, and it'd be interesting to see where those guys end up. You know how good. Uh, really is uh, Trey Douglas. How good is Tay Daly? Daly is a talented player. Um, he was kind of a little more of a shock than Trey. Uh, but yeah, we'll see how uh, these two uh, transfers impact the Vanderbilt football team this season. Let's continue to roll on with the biggest news of the week, Will. Obviously, Candace Lee, Vanderbilt's athletic director, has hired Louisiana Tech's Tommy McClelland and Dartmouth's Kristen Kelly to become a part of the athletic program Former ADs and distinguished college administrators McClelland and Kelly, they've joined West End as deputy athletic directors, vice chancellor for athletics and university affairs, and athletic director Candace Lee announced today. Here's a quote from Candace. In quote, we are fortunate to have Tommy and Kristen join our football team. Both are highly regarded leaders, have extensive experience in college athletics, track records of proven success, and are relationship builders. Most importantly, they are firmly committed to student-athletes and are mission-driven and purposeful in their work. Both Tommy and Kristen are very competitive, and I'm excited for the energy that they will bring each and every day. As deputy athletic directors, their roles are significant as we continue to position Vanderbilt Athletics for the future. This is a critically important time, and I know that their impact on our student-athletes, coaches, staff, campus partners, community, and Commodore Nation will be tremendous. We are excited to welcome them and their families to Vanderbilt Nashville and the SEC. Will, tell us a little bit more about Tommy McClellan from Louisiana Tech, a guy who has a great track record. Yeah, we actually mentioned this, and, and George actually mentioned this when we were speaking with him that, that you'll hear later in the podcast. Uh, McClellan joined Vanderbilt after being the athletic director at Louisiana Tech, so actually taking a step back. Yeah, um, But he will be the deputy athletic director for external affairs and revenue generation. Um, which was kind of his specialty with when he was the athletic director at Louisiana Tech. 
Um, he will be uh, directing the Commodore's marketing and promotional efforts, ticket operations and sales, fan engagement and hospitality broadcasting, um, and those associates. It's right up your alley, Will. So, yeah. <laughs> Um, kind of the thing he's most well known for, like I mentioned, the fundraising efforts, which is significant yeah. at Vanderbilt, um, were the $23 million Davison Athletics Complex and the $18 million press box and luxury suites at their stadium down um, in Louisiana Tech. So that is, like we were kind of saying, a step, small steps in the right direction, yeah. getting the right people in there. Um, because facility upgrades are obviously at the forefront of the minds of, of Commodore fans everywhere, and, as well as it has to be at the forefront of the minds um, of the entire athletic department. Yeah, and Dan, Daniel Deermeyer, uh, obviously, Will, with the statement he made, that's nothing tangible. You know, it's nothing that uh, it's it's not an action. But a lot of the words have never really been said before. You know, a lot. I don't. I don't like we talked about last podcast. Chancellor Zeppos never came out and and said anything like Deermeyer did. He he was hiding in his bunker, and and now you got Deermeyer coming out. It's 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 like they're continue to take another step. You know, on the flight of stairs, they're they're at number five, I'd say now. And again, these aren't massive steps. They haven't done anything like a you know like a um, you know renovation of the football stadium or a new press box or um, you know the revenue hasn't necessarily proven to, you know, I guess skyrocket, but with the addition of McClellan, he's shown Will that that he knows what he's doing and and he was he was coveted. You know, he he decided to take a step down at Vanderbilt. He he has he has something in mind at Vanderbilt that I think a lot of people don't know about. Yeah, it, it's definitely he's the flashier of the hires um definitely oh, yeah. between those two no and, and definitely created the most buzz coming in. So it will be kind of interesting with his first few days and him coming in right around the beginning of college football season if we'll see any news from that mm-hmm. athletics department. Um, as, as it looks like they're kind of gaining more activity as, as COVID-19 kind of seems to be on the downward slide. Um, mm-hmm. Hopefully that will continue. Continue so to pray. Hopefully, yeah, we'll continue <laughs> to and hopefully we'll actually see some tangible steps forward, not just build up small steps and actual big steps forward um very very soon yeah and and we do need to give a little bit of love to dr Kristen kelly she uh previously a senior associate athletics director for varsity sports and senior woman administrator at dartmouth before earning a promotion to executive associate athletics director for varsity sports in 2020 she will now serve as vandy's deputy athletic director for internal affairs so a lot of the um you know the uh, health um, uh, elements uh, within the Vanderbilt Athletic Department. She will be involved there, but excited about both of those uh, hires, Tommy McClelland and Kristen Kelly. Welcome uh, to West End. Will, let's wrap it up here. Vanderbilt's John Augenstein. We call him Augie here uh, in Nashville. Well, you're up in Nashville down here in Naples, uh, but uh, August Augenstein will play in the U.S. Open this weekend at Winged Foot in New York. And Tiger Woods actually uh, played a practice round with Augenstein and along with Justin Thomas. JT obviously being a Bama guy, a couple uh, of SEC guys going there with the greatest golfer of all time uh, by far. How about that for Augenstein? I mean, your first practice round ever is is uh, is preparing for the U.S. Open with Tiger Woods and Justin Thomas. Um, so that you're you're introduced to uh, to your first major in quite a way. Obviously, Will Augenstein was the 2019 U.S. Amateur runner-up. Um, he's he's an Owensboro, uh, Kentucky native. 
He obviously uh, went decided to come to Vanderbilt. He's this is his fifth year um, at Vanderbilt. So again, he's a talented golfer. Should be fun to watch him uh, watch him play this weekend. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I'm an extremely avid golf fan, but uh, I, I did read this story today, and, and my first thought was actually, you know, he, he's going into this uh, major championship, and I, I would think that he would have to almost be a little bit more nervous for that practice round. Playing with Tiger? <laughs> playing with yeah. Tiger, than, he, than he will be for the actual round that counts in the book. I mean, imagine playing, day, imagine so. playing a practice round with Tiger. Just, just hitting balls and like, oh, forgetting that that's not actually the official round. It's yeah, not. I think I, I think my heart would be beating out of my chest when I was walking out to play to play with them in the driving range. Like, oh, we got a whole, <laughs> we got a whole eighteen, uh, eighteen more holes to play here uh, with with Tiger. But I'm, um, I mean, that that's great for Johnny though to be able to play with him and leading into a, a weekend with a lot of amateurs. I heard there's 13 amateurs uh, playing, which, which are guys you know still in college or, or finishing up their college career uh, playing in the U.S. Open up in New York at Winged Foot this weekend. So, again, good luck to John Augenstein, the pride of Vanderbilt, uh, here in his fifth year. See how he performs this weekend. Will, coming up next, we got George Plaster, the longtime Nashville sports radio host. We've been really excited about this for a while. He we had a deep dive into the state of Vanderbilt athletics, a preview of the football season. We also touched on uh, Jerry Stackhouse entering year two. You can listen to the George Plaster show 2 to 4 p.m. on 560 WNSR. George Plaster, come and ride up. George Plaster, a longtime Nashville sports radio host, is now our guest here on The Door Report. He has hosted Afternoon Drive here in Nashville for uh, – Way longer than any of us have been alive. He hosted Afternoon Drive on Nashville's 104.5 The Zone from 2003 to 2012 and later spent four years with 102.5 The Game. And then after a brief hiatus from Sports Talk Radio, George spent two years as Belmont's Associate Athletic Director of Marketing. But now he's back on the airwaves hosting the George Plaster Show. You can tune in weekdays from 2 to 4 p.m. on 560 WNSR. George, how you doing? I'm good, Billy. Hope you're doing well. We're doing well, uh, George. Obviously, we got football back, and and it seems that uh, the world has gone back to a little bit of normalcy. Do you think, um, at least in your life, that uh, a little bit of normalcy has returned with uh, with, with football being back? God, I hope so. Um, <laughs> what a screwy year it's been. Um, and, you know, I, I can remember doing a show back in June where I asked the question, in sort of a, you know, my, my opinion is that all these leagues will get started, but will any of them finish? Because at the time, I didn't think any of them would be able to, to finish. And the, the bubble has been probably more effective for the pro sports league than we could have ever imagined. Right now, it's college football is the one I'm the, the most worried about. I think college football is on a little bit of a banana peel where you look around and every day there's another game being postponed or, you know, Ed Orgeron saying he's got 40 billion kids with, you know, the coronavirus. <laughs> it's just kind of a scary time. And, you know, when you watch the games on Saturday, you really wonder, are we going to get into October and is any of this going to really happen? Will it? Yeah, so there's been a lot of talk with 
the issues associated with kind of college football's inconsistency across different leagues, not just leagues, but just schools within leagues themselves. Do you think that kind of the call for more leadership within college football, like a director of the NCAA college football, more unionizing the major conferences is something that you could see come out of this? Um, or do you think the current system is, is kind of where we're at and, and it's going to stick? Again, who knows? But here's here's where the problem seems to have happened. I think all of us assume that the Power Five, or as I call them, the five families, the Bundinis, the Scrachis, the Vitalias, the, the Corleones, that they would all get in a room and agree to, to kind of a unified front. And to be honest, the one that's been the rogue has been the Big Ten. When the Big Ten announced that they were not playing, uh, none of the other conferences knew it. And privately, they were pissed off about it. Uh, I, I feel reasonably confident uh, because I've known Jim Delaney going back to when we used to play ball together at the Green Hill Y. Uh, years ago when he was the commissioner of the OVC, if Jim Delaney were still running the Big Ten, I think a lot of this would have been different. I don't think Kevin Warren has a clue. Oh, the, no. The coaches, and the, the coaches and the administrators keep yelling and screaming that he doesn't communicate. And you would think by now he would get the hint and get them all into a Zoom meeting or whatever. Hell, I can figure out. Zoom, and if I can figure it out, surely to God, he can. I, hey, I'm right there with you, George. I mean, and now, you know, there's rumblings about the, the return of the Big Ten and, and possibly the Pac-12. So they have been, you're right, they've been all over the board, um, and you never know what you're going to get. They've, they've kind of gone rogue here. Speaking of gone rogue, the Vanderbilt Athletic Department has they've brought in a couple new hires here. Will and I have been talking about a lot of the recent small steps in the right direction from, from Candace Lee at in the Vanderbilt Athletic Department. How big of a step, George, uh, were the hires of Tommy McClellan from Louisiana Tech and uh, Dr. Kristen Kelly from Dartmouth? Well, first of all, it's weird. Uh, why, why is a, a sitting athletic director willing to take a step down in title to come here? Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know the answer. None of us know the answer. Um, you know, has he been promised something better? Uh, was he about to get blown out down in Ruston, Louisiana? None of us really know. But, listen, for all of the analysis of, you know, this is a great move, none of it means a damn thing until their administration decides to get in the game. Now, Billy's sitting there going, oh, Lord, I've heard this before from him. <laughs> and the, what what's different now you know, 15, 20, 25 years ago when I would scream all this in sports talk radio, a lot of people got angry with me because they didn't want to believe it and didn't think it was true. What's different now is that everybody knows it. The secret is out. The curtain's been lifted. And even the most loyal of Vanderbilt fans knows damn good and well that Kirkland couldn't care less. And so... You can hire all these people you want, and, and you make all this noise, but until Kirkland decides that athletics, you know, is as important as every other aspect of the university, 
it doesn't mean anything. And and we've been talking about it, you know, like you said, George, every five, six years going on now, at least for me, you know, most of your life, um, you know, especially for you. But, uh, you know, you heard Daniel Deermeyer come out uh, here in the past couple of weeks with some encouraging comments. And a lot of it right now, George, is, and we heard uh, Will and I talked about Candace Lee's strategic plan. I mean, what, 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 what happened there was that we talked about the fact that, that was a strategic plan uh, to create a strategic plan. And, and there's just nothing uh, practical or, or physical that actually came out of that. So, George, what has to happen in your mind for, for Vanderbilt's athletic de- department in terms of practical improvements to, you know, to reach respectability among the SEC's elites? Because right now they're, it seems like they're, they're, they're sort of plateauing and even maybe going down a little bit further. Well, it seems to me that it's, it's down to three things. The first one being, and, and let me say this, I pay no attention to this guy, Dear Meyer. I have no idea, haven't met him, probably not giving him the benefit of the doubt other than to say, you know what, we're long past the point where just saying something nice on the radio means anything. Show me something. Prove it. Yeah. And that's sort of the position he's in. So the first option is that he is different than his predecessor and that he actually does care about athletics and wants to see it do well. That would be number one. Option number two, which a Vanderbilt fan ought to be rooting for, is that Greg Sankey would get up out of that chair in Birmingham, call Deermeyer and say, uh, big, big boy, I'm coming up to see you. <laughs> and when he comes up and sees him, he just basically says, look, the look that you show the public, and frankly, the look that you show us, is you don't really care. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're giving you a lot of money. We're giving you upwards of, I don't know, whatever it is, $46 million a year. And, you know, we expect to at least have you play in a halfway decent football stadium. We're not asking you to expand it. You don't need to. But put some amenities in the thing. Jazz it up a little bit. Act like you care. That, that would be option number two. The third option is that Tim Corbin gets pissed off with all this Uh and finally starts popping off a little bit saying, you know what, I've created a standard of excellence here that, you know, people are proud of. But when I look around, I don't see anybody else or anything else following along with me. Now, Tim probably wouldn't be thrilled to hear this. But the fact of the matter is he's got the power. He has the ability right now. He is the one internal option that if he popped off a little bit, all hell would break loose. I think uh, Will Byron would would break loose too. (laughs) Well, to me, those are the three options uh, that, that really truthfully are out there under the how is this ever going to get any better. And, and let me take this a step farther. For me personally, I need to see somebody in the Kirkland administration that goes to one of these football games where they play an SEC po- opponent and 90% of the crowd is the other team. Just once I want to see somebody from there get pissed off about that. 
and say, why, why is it, why is this okay? You know, there's no pride factor. Uh, it's just an excuse, you know, for a group of them to have a sweet, have a little cocktail party. <laughs> and none of them seem to be bothered by this. And the fans deserve better. The athletes deserve better. Frankly, the coaches deserve better. Yeah, you kind of touched on the 90% opponents fans in the stands. Well, that won't be happening um, at least through October for Vanderbilt. They announced that they will be the only SEC program without at least some form of capacity of fans in the stands. So it kind of, do you think that this was a university decision or do you think that being in Nashville with uh, the city of Nashville and Davidson County being on a lot more lockdown than majority of these other SEC cities, do you think there were larger political factors at play? Well, the way the, uh, the way the mayor has it set up right now, I don't guess there really was any other choice in the matter. Uh, the Titans play their first home game Sunday against Jacksonville. They won't have any fans at Nissan Stadium. So I'm not sure that Bandy had any real choice in the deal. Um, you know, do they like it that way? Perhaps. Maybe for the first time, and God only knows how long, when they play an SEC opponent, they won't deal with some of the things they've dealt with in the past, where, you know, their stadium has been turned into a jailbreak. So, you know, who knows? Who knows what it is, you know, what the mindset is. But the easy out is that, uh, you know, Nashville government right now won't let it happen. Vanderbilt opens the season in College Station, George, against the Texas A&M Aggies, a, a, an easy top 10 team here, uh, you know, for Vanderbilt. And and when you look at this matchup, it, it's it's just it's really hard to see what kind of success Vanderbilt has on either either side of the ball. Here recently, we've seen a couple of transfer portal guys in the in the secondary. And, uh, you know, we still don't know who, who might start at quarterback. Uh, Ken Seals has – has been, uh, you know, the hot guy on the radar here. But, George, in terms of that game and the rest of this season, what what can, can Vanderbilt fans expect to see from a 10-game SEC slate? I think they get their hat handed to them. Uh, I think this is an absolute nightmare for any Vanderbilt coach, whether it's Derek Mason, Watson Brown, Jerry DiNardo, whoever. No, no Vanderbilt coach has ever had to deal with 10 SEC games in a row. First of all, I don't think this is a very good football team to begin with. And then what you worry about is three or four weeks in, if this goes the way we think it's going to go, how much interest do those players have when they realize what they're really up against? You know, the COVID thing makes it weird to begin with. Uh, gives players a lot of cause to think about whether they really ought to be doing this in the first place. And if you end up playing on a team that early in the season doesn't show you a whole lot, then you wonder if it's it's double trouble. Now, all of that said, you know, I've buried Derek Mason a couple of times in the past. And, you know, give him credit. He is... Uh, he has shown the ability to have nine lives. I just don't know where this time around it would come from. I'm, uh, they don't have anywhere near the offensive weapons 
that they had a year ago, and they butchered, you know, three great weapons a year oh, ago. Yeah. They they badly uh, miscalculated what Riley Neal was. Whoever did the evaluation of that, uh, you know, that was a, a major screw up. And so now they're left. It looks like with Ken Seals, and gosh. Who, who would want that for a young freshman? Poor guy. Making his first, yeah, having to deal with that. I mean, I feel sorry for him. I, I do too. And and when you look at his his high school career, he, you know, he lit it up, obviously, in Texas. But you walk into Vanderbilt with that offensive line and uh, playing a top 10 SEC team to, to kick off your season, and then you got LSU at home. It's just a different animal, George. I mean, we talked with Willie Donick about it, and even Adam Sparks. It's a whole different animal. And even if you're, a, you could be a four or five star guy. The Vanderbilt offensive line, it's 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 just different, and they have not proven to to protect their quarterback. You know, pr- provide running lanes for their running back ever since the James Franklin era. So, George, I got a follow up here with with this season for Coach Mason. What has to happen for Vanderbilt fans' mindset to sort of change on him? It, it, because I think a, a large percentage of, of Vanderbilt fans are, are are fed up and 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 they they want a new direction. And they, they it's plain and simple. So what has to happen this season, or or is it possible for anything to happen uh, for Vanderbilt fans to kind of change their mind and say, hey, maybe you know maybe he's got a shot here. Well, if he were to pull three or four SEC wins that nobody sees coming, uh, certainly, you know, winning does some of that. But the real tip-off to what really is going on here is the fact that Derek Mason beat the University of Tennessee three years in a row. Yep. And no Vanderbilt coach since the 1920s could say that. And even with that, he really was not gaining the approval of a big group of Vanderbilt fans. First of all, he hasn't been a guy that's been out in the community a whole lot. Uh, you know, and I think that's an important piece of this. Uh, when you're when you're trying to build a fan base, you need a coach who will get out there and really be a part of the community. And I don't I don't see that that's really happened. Secondly, I think there's it probably was a group that gave up on him the night of his first game against Temple. And whether that's fair or unfair, I just think it's a fact. I think there are a lot of people who said, you know, I'm done. This is no, this is no James Franklin. Well, in fairness to Derek Mason, nobody else had been James Franklin either. So he walked in to a really tough job. And then there is, maybe where I come from, which is I think he's I think he's got some real credentials on the defensive end. Mm-hmm. I don't feel that way when I see their offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't I don't think he's picked very good people to run their offense. There are times I don't really know what their philosophy is. And I thought a year ago, as I said earlier, I thought they butchered uh, three really good, maybe great by Vanderbilt standards, talents. Yeah, so kind of going back to, to Mason, he has two new coordinators coming in this year, obviously the 10-game SEC slate. 
freshman quarterback most likely going to be starting. Do you think that his he's really on the hot seat this season and there will be any decision made, or do you think he at least plays out the remainder of this season um, and then will be the coach going into hopefully a normal next college football season in 2021? Well, first of all, the best thing he's got going for him is the, the level, the amount of the buyout. And what level of stomach does the school have to write him a check to go away if this thing were to go south this year? Uh, you know, I, I think there's reason to believe that they weren't willing to part with something like $15 million in cash uh, to end it a year ago. They had a moment against UNLV that was so embarrassing that that led to an awful lot of talk. And I, I think it's fairly, you know, common knowledge that the university wasn't willing to do that. So the size of his buyout may be the best thing he's got going for him. Um, if you go, if you go zero and ten, which I'm not sure whether it gets to that level or not. He'll certainly be an underdog in, in every one of the 10 games. Um, do they make a change? I think they have to, but is the school willing to do it? I don't know. Will they he don't consult me on those issues. They, they should. They, I think they should. Uh, Will Healy, George, this is a guy that Vanderbilt fans have talked a lot about, especially on social media and, uh, you know, a lot of the message boards. And I've even heard, uh, you know, back being back home in Nashville, a lot of talk there. He's a guy that's at Charlotte. He's a young coach uh, comparable to James Franklin and in, in sort of where he was in his trajectory in his career. What do you think about Will Healy and the potential of him possibly entering Vanderbilt next, whether it's next season in a, in a couple of years, or do you think he's a guy that's even on their radar? Well, he would have to be on their radar. Um, first of all, anything I say that involves Will Healy will have some bias because Will and I are good friends. Uh, we got to know each other uh, when, he was, when he was involved in the coaching search at Austin P. One of the one of the folks that was involved in, in assisting Austin P with the search is a big Vanderbilt booster, J.R. Hand. And J.R. asked me at one point to, to meet with Will. And I remember the first thing I asked Will, I said, you've got to be related to Chip Healy. Chip Healy was a great linebacker at Vandy yep. in, uh, in, the, in the late 60s. Turns out Chip, Chip Healy, who has since passed away, uh, is Will Healy was Will Healy's uncle. So I, let me just describe Will this way. Will has an it factor about it that I might not be able to put a dictionary definition behind him, but there is an it factor to him that people gravitate to. Young people gravitate to him. He's a relentless recruiter. Uh, he would have to be on their radar. I'm not saying that that's who they're going to hire. I don't know. Do I think Will is interested? Yeah, I do. Um, I think he's intrigued by it. Uh, I think his fa he and his family enjoyed the Middle Tennessee area. He's got ties to here. Um, and, and I don't doubt that 
you know, James Franklin, having had, you know, a great amount of success here, has opened up some people to believe that, well, if, if all the stars and the moons align, you could win there. And if you win there, you know, the sky's the limit to where you could end up after that. Well, you, you got us convinced. We're hopping on the Will Healy train, George. Uh, let's switch over to basketball. Jerry Stackhouse, obviously, at Vanderbilt, coming into year two. He's recruited well recently. The 2021 class is 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 ranked number two on 24-7 in the SEC. They're in the top 25. As of right now, we'll see where that goes in terms of, of a finish leading up to next season. But but this season, they, you know, it's year two under Stack. Some rumors, uh, you know, with the new with the New Orleans Pelicans that they may want to uh, want to snag him. He squashed those on Twitter. George, what do you think about his personality, and do you think that can fit at Vanderbilt, and do you think he can maintain uh, the three win, if you call it success, last year and carry that over uh, here into this season? Well, first of all, I have not met Jerry Stackhouse, so anything I tell you is is basically hearsay. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's what is fact. From, a, from an earn-a-living standpoint, he didn't need this job. Uh, he's worth supposedly around $60 million, which is $59.99 million more than I'm worth. Uh, <laughs> Same. You know, I don't know. I don't know what his future goals are. Everybody says they're the NBA. But if Roy Williams retired tomorrow, would he immediately jump to go to his alma mater? I don't know. Um, you know, do I think he's here long term? No. Do I think he can coach? Yeah. I, I saw some things a year ago uh, that made me think that. Uh, I thought they really played hard for him. And that's hard to do when you're not doing a lot of winning. It's easy to play hard when things are going well. But when it's not going well, uh, the fact that his teams played hard. Uh, I, I give him I give him some big marks for that. So that's kind of where I'd go with that question. Last one here, George, before we let you go. Over under two on Vandy football's win total this season here in a coronavirus pandemic season. Two. Right there. Yeah, I, I mean, um, you know, I, I think anywhere from zero to two is – most likely, uh, I'm, I'm certainly not going to sit there and say, listen, they're going five and five. And I don't see where it would come from. Do I think they could, you know, that, that somebody slips up and isn't ready to play them and maybe in Nashville they win a game? Sure. I mean, it happened, you know, against Missouri, uh, and it could happen again. But I, I don't look for this to be – you know, I don't look for this to be a ton of fun. And, uh, you know, I wonder deep down if privately there's some people over there who wish this season wouldn't happen. And and I, I don't think you're completely wrong there, George. I, that's been a little bit of the vibe I've been getting. I know Will, uh, you know, has agreed to. We'll, we'll see. We'll see they kick off here in 10 days 
in College Station against Texas A&M. We'll see how this uh, this ten game SEC slate goes for the Commodores. George, it's always a pleasure. Um, you know, you know, you know, we got respect for you, and uh, you know, we'll definitely continue to tune in two to four p.m. five sixty WNSR the George Plaster Show. George, thanks for joining the Door Report. Billy, thank you. Will, good to uh, good to meet you, and uh, you guys take care. Thank you so much, George. Thank you.